turn to Acts 18, 12 through 19. There is an experiencing follow salvation of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to read some of Brother Hagen's notes here. As a young denominational minister, I had been taught that when a person is saved, hang on a second, I've got to get my notes out of here. When a person is saved, he has the Holy Spirit, which is true in a sense. However, my denomination taught that when one is saved, he has all of the Holy Spirit it is possible to have. The scripture passage below that we're going to read helped me see that there is an experience subsequent to salvation called receiving the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's turned to Acts 8, 12 through 19. It is so. You know, Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. And it's important to pray in tongues. Any time you can, pray in tongues. If you're not doing something else, pray in tongues. The Spirit knoweth your infirmity, the bo your body frailties, and He knows what to pray for. And that's where so many people miss it. So, 8, Acts 8, 12 through 19. But when, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Um, uh, I'm going to read it out of the King James. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and, wandered, and wondered, beholding the miracle and signs which were done. Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. And when they were to come down, praying for them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Sorry, I'm... S okay. For as yet, he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, the, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in the matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, on this thy wickedness, and pray God if perhaps 
the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Well, that's heavy. You ever think of that? I mean, that's a heavy thing. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had And they, when they had testified and preached with the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many languages. That's heavy. Those are heavy things to be prayed upon a person. Okay. We're going to look at 12 and 13 in a second. I'm going to go to the Amplified. But when they believed the good news of the gospel about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ the Messiah, as Philip preached it, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed he adhered to, trusted in, and relied on the teaching of Philip. After being baptized, devoted himself, constant, himself constantly to him, and seeing signs and miracles of great power which were being performed, he was utterly amazed. Okay. Philip's ministry in Samaria was abundantly blessed by God. Mighty miracles constantly were being performed. Many were saved and healed according to Acts 8, 7, and 8. For unclean spirits... Am I in the right spot? Okay, we're going to 7 and 8. Okay. For unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed by them, screaming and shouting with a loud voice. And many who were suffering from palsy were crippled, were restored to health. And there was a great rejoicing in the city. Now remember, this man Simon had formerly practiced magic and sorcery. So... The Samaritans believed Philip's sermons concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. And they were baptized in water, but they were but when they baptized when they believed Philip's preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized both men and women. Verse 12. Then Jesus had said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 15. Let's go ahead and turn there. I believe in, che in checking everything out with the word. Amen. Many people just don't understand the importance of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, especially in the day we live in. Okay, let's see. Mark 16, 15. He said to them, Go ye into the world and preach 
and publish openly the good news of the gospel to every creature of the whole human race. He who believes and adheres to and trusts in and relies on the gospel. Hang on just a second. And him who sets forth and is baptized with and is baptized will be saved from the penalty of eternal death. But he who does not believe, who does not allow to, and trust in and rely on the gospel, and him who it sets forth will be condemned. And these attesting signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And even if they drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord kept working with them and confirming the message by the amazing attesting signs and miracles that closely accompanied. So when we go out and we proclaim these things, the Lord's working through us and with us, and he will cause these things to take place. I want us to understand that. But if you don't go out and you don't do these things, it's not going to happen. You know, God always has, when he says something, he tells you how to do it, and he expects you to go forth and do it. That's why in our country we don't see the signs flowing like we do in Africa and places like, you know, overseas. It's a big difference. They hear it, and they believe it. And signs follow. One of the people that we support is Terry Mice, and in his ministry, the dead are raised. The, the deaf are, he, are healed. The blind eyes are healed. Peter and John tent, sent to Samaria in Acts 8, 14 through 16. And we already read that. They, they sent the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria, Samaria had received the word of God. They sent unto them Peter and John who when they when they might when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the holy ghost but as yet he was fallen upon none of them only they were baptized in the name of the lord jesus they laid on their hands on them and they received the holy ghost so they had just been baptized in the name of jesus so they had their baptism in water now, let's see, I was, born, I was born again in November, and in February is when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then I kind of did it differently. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, but after I did, no one told me, you're to, you're to pray in tongues every day, which is sad. But when I came out of the water from being baptized in water, I prayed in tongues, and that from that day forth, I prayed in tongues continually. I mean, it was like, and 
an open, I mean, I was just absolutely open to praying in tongues continually. It was wild. So my water baptism was a mighty experience. But thank God I had the baptism of the Holy Ghost first, but no one told me. No one said, listen, this is a gift from God that you have received. Keep praying, and he will give you many more languages to pray. Because these are languages, some, some here on earth, and some that only God understands. Which is really sad when you think about it. Okay. Where are we? We're over here. Our text in verse 14 says, Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard of Samaria, had received the word of God. This is conclusive proof that these people were genuinely saved. The apostle recognized that they were because they had heard the wonderful things God had done through Philip's ministry. They sent Peter and John to lay hands on the new converts that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now it's really sad that here Philip's out there preaching, getting people saved, getting them baptized, but he did not get them filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're going to look at this. There is no record that any upon, there is no record that any upon whom Peter and John laid hands failed to receive. So, according to what I see in the Bible, all those that got saved, when they got down there and they began to lay hands upon them, they received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Powerful. They received a gift, the gift from God, that is much needed. I mean, that is the next experience or should be after salvation. I mean, it's necessary. Really, it should be done on the day of salvation. People should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to get into some more things here. Okay, you ready? In Acts 8, 17, they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Peter and John were sent to Samaria for a specific purpose. What was the purpose? The answer is found in verse 15. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. The other apostles in Jerusalem sent them to Samaria for this specific purpose. Now think of this. Here are these two, Peter and John, sent to Samaria for this particular purpose. And according to the word, I don't see where anyone did not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's how important this is for the church. Yet in churches today, unfortunately, there's nothing said about this in most churches. It's just not something that's taught on that much. And I'm sad to say that we have not taught on it that much in the last few years. Things are changing. (laughs) The other apostles in Jerusalem sent them to Samaria for that specific purpose. 
Why did they have to pray for those Samaritans to receive the Holy Spirit? Why couldn't Philip have prayed for them just as well? We must remember we all have our place in God's plan, and we must find that place and do what God wants us to do. God has special ministries. He didn't call all of us to minister the same, and he didn't give all of us the same ministry. Philip was an evangelist. His ministry was leading many to the experience of salvation in Jesus Christ. Peter and John, on the other hand, had a specific ministry of laying on of hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I will tell you, I have seen, you know, I can pray with people to receive and they don't, don't always receive right then and there. I've had people go home and receive at home. But I have seen people that honestly have this gift and they, pardon? And they do. I mean, it's the truth. Terry's one of them. If I call her up and have her pray for people to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, she's going to get baptized. They're going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. You know, I mean, different people have different ministries to try to. Evidently, Peter and John did. OK, let's put I'm just going to put uh, so you have an understanding because pastor and I are pastors in the fivefold ministry. We can pray for a person to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But that is not, how can I put this? I want to put this the right way. That is not one of the specialties that I have in the ministry. Okay? I can pray it and people do get filled. But I've seen Terry just lay hands on them, receive, and they just start praying in tongues. I'm not trying to lift Terry up, but it's the truth. And we had an, another person. I don't know, Tina, do they always receive with you? Pardon? They, they don't always receive you do the same thing. Was yeah, she was another person. I was going to mention that. Those two. Yeah, I mean, and we went to Rama. <laughs> okay? So I just want to get people to understand this, and I'm not trying to uplift people. Just trying to get you to understand people's ministries. And this is my feeling. If a person has been given a ministry, use them. If you know their life is clean and they're walking with God and they're upright before God, use their ministry. Hallelujah. It saves a lot of time. Okay. I'm just being very blunt in my... Okay. All right. Here we go. Now, this guy, I could have dealt with him. He would have been fine. We would have gotten that dealt with right away. Um, <laughs> we must remember we all have our place in God's plan. We must find that place and do what God wants us to do. God has special ministries. He didn't call all of us to minister the same, and he didn't give all of us the same ministry. Well, praise the Lord. Philip was an evangelist. His ministry was leading many to an experience of salvation in Jesus Christ. I know you and I are, are called in that area. Peter and John, on the other hand, had a specific ministry of laying on of hands, 
on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, the next guy, God has blessed me with this ministry, okay? Only the demons would have been cast out of him, okay? We see in Acts 18, 18 and 19, then when Simon saw that through laying on of hands, the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money saying, give me also this power that on whom Soever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Simon the sorcerer offered Peter and John money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Some had thought Simon tried to buy the Holy Spirit. He didn't. He tried to buy the ability to lay hands on people and have them receive. Peter answered him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Verse 20. There are four different Greek words translated gift in the New Testament. You might want to take notes. This particular Greek word means an endowment. Peter said he and John were endowed or gifted by the Holy Spirit to lay hands on the people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How did we know these Samaritans actually spoke in tongues? Some who do not believe in tongues argue that the scriptures says nothing about them speaking in tongues. There is no evidence, howsoever, that they did not speak with tongues. In fact, students of the early church history know the early church fathers agree that they did speak with tongues in Samaria. And we receive elsewhere in the New Testament that those who were filled with the Holy Spirit spoke with new tongues. So when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will speak with new tongues. Okay. Y'all understand that? You're good. <laughs> That's how you know. It is apparent that the Samaritans must have spoken in tongues because Simon saw that through the laying on the hands of the apostles, the Holy Spirit was given. And I'm sure what was so interesting to him was that every person probably was speaking in another tongue. You know, I've never been in a service where people are filled with the Holy Spirit and everyone is speaking the same tongue. Never. Never. And I've been in many services. I remember in the charismatic renewal in the early 70s, um, it was very interesting to see people being filled with the Holy Ghost, hands laid on them, filled with the Holy Ghost, and just praying in the Holy Spirit all over the building, and not one person prayed in the same language or prayed this. Am I correct? I know you know what I'm talking about, the place we took... took um, Nancy and Ken, praise you, Jesus. So, let's go on. 
Never have I all heard him praying the same language, ever. Certainly, so this is what he saw. Wow, these people are praying. And that happened on, on the day of Pentecost, the same thing. They heard them all praying in different languages. Some in their languages, all different types of languages. I know when I was teaching, we started a school of ministry, someone before we came here. And I've shared this before one night. We were praying in the Holy Ghost and singing this in the spirit before the class. And one man came up to me after and he said, after the class, do you speak Spanish? I said, no, I can count to. <laughs> I can say Jesus Cristo and I think I can, pay, I can count to six. <laughs> so there we go. There you got it. Okay, and, and he said, well, when you were praying in the Holy Ghost, you were, you were praying, you were worshiping God in Spanish. And then we had another man that came to our church for a while, and he had been in, in Japan. And he came to me and he said, I don't know if you know that when you're praying in tongues, you're speaking the Japanese language. So praise the Lord. So let's move on. God wants you to be able, I mean, I've gone all over the con, all over and seen visions of the countries that I'm praying for. I'm not uplifting myself. I'm just telling you the way God works with different people. Okay. The giftings that he gives. So he saw, Simon in verse 18, saw that through laying on of the hands of laying on of the apostles hands the Holy Ghost was given certainly the Holy Spirit cannot be seen with the physical eye because he is a spirit yet there had to be some kind of physical sign whereby Simon knew they had received the Holy Spirit praise the Lord I do not have a watch on and neither does pastor. So Whitney at 10 till I'd like you to stand up and wave your hands if you need to. Okay. <laughs> there have, how, what time is it now? Okay. There had to have been something that registered on Simon's physical senses so he could tell that they had received the Holy Spirit. Simon didn't receive the Holy Spirit himself, but he could see that others had. How? Maybe it was because Simon saw the Samaritans full of joy. One minister said to me, this, however, couldn't explain it because Simon had already seen their joy. Verse 8 reports, there was great joy in the city. They already had joy before Peter and John arrived from Jerusalem. Well, they'd gotten saved. There's nothing more joyful than when you get saved. I mean, I don't know if you can all remember the day you got saved, but I, that was the end of many things in my life. It was like darkness became light and my eyes were open. Praise the Lord. What kind of sign then would cause Simon to know these people had received the Holy, Holy Spirit. All evidence indicates that the sign was the manifestation 
of speaking in tongues, that was the sign that convinced Simon they had received the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is, and the Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues, but they go hand in hand. It's like the tongue in the shoe. The tongue isn't the shoe, and the shoe isn't the tongue, but each is an, is an, is an important part of the other. When somebody buys an automobile, he is issued a certificate of title as evidence of ownership. The automobile is not the certificate of title, and the title is not the automobile, but you will not get very far if the automobile without their certificate or evidence of title. Okay? How many have ever gotten pulled over by a wonderful policeman? And what do they want to see? Your license, your insurance card, and the information on the car. Boy, you better have them. Pastor had put them somewhere one time when I got pulled over and I couldn't find it. Fortunately, the guy, um, the gentleman, hit me at the end of our street, and so I was coughing, and I didn't have any water, so I pulled into our, our driveway, called Pastor, and asked him to come out and find the stuff. Very important. You better have it all with you, too. Amen? Amen? Sitting back there. <laughs> Okay. Have you ever had a, a, your shoe with the tongue fall out? I'm sure it's not very comfortable. <laughs> Notice, there is not the least suggestion in Acts 8 that Peter and John taught the Samaritans to tarry or wait for the Holy Spirit. To teach people to tarry for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which already has been given as a free gift, only precedes doubt and indecision. Now, I'm going to explain this to you because most of you don't understand this. In the old days, I'm 72, so the old days were the old days. Um, they would have people at the altars, and they'd tell them to tarry and tarry and tarry and wait and wait and wait. And so that'd wear a person out. Howard Carter, who was the general superintendent of the Assembly of Gods in Great Britain for many years, founded the oldest Pentecostal Bible school in the world, and he was leading teacher in full gospel circles around the world, those in the old days. He said that to teach people to wait for the Holy Spirit is nothing but a combination of works and unbelief. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Is not Huh? Okay, you want me to tell about that? Okay. But they'd already been filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. I had a Bible study that I taught, and um, all these ladies, or the majority of the ladies, that I was asked to teach in this woman's home. 
very wonderful, nice woman in a home. Her, her brother, actually, her father had been a pastor, and her brother was the pastor of their church, and it was a full gospel church, but they were taught that you had to wait for a feeling before to come upon you to pray in tongues, like the goosebump feeling. How many had the goosebump feeling when you first got saved? We all know about that. There's some one, two, three of us, that's it. They had to wait for that to pray in tongues, and then, and I, and some of them had only prayed in tongues once or twice, and I said, that, that's not the word. I was getting put in these situations of Bible studies. I said, that's not the word. The word says you can pray in tongues whenever you desire to. So that was one grand Bible study that day. They all got set free and prayed in tongues and were able to pray in tongues forevermore. It was exciting. It was really exciting for me. So, um, wonderful woman to have a Bible study in her home. Okay. So, that was what they used to tell them. Tarry and tarry and wait and wait. A free gift. Notice something else in Acts 8. Peter and John did not pray that God would give the Samaritans the Holy Spirit. They prayed that they might receive the Holy Spirit. That they might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in other tongues. Okay. Often we pray, Lord, save souls at this service tonight, heal the sick. However, we did not find where they ever prayed that way in the Acts of the Apostles, and we should pray according to the word. I pray for people, but not that God would save them, because he already has done something about saving them. He sent his son to die for us, God already has purchased salvation for each man. However, it is not going to do us any good until we accept it. This is the reason he told us to spread the good news. So, I'm going to put it to you. Everybody's name is written in the book of life. If they do not receive Jesus Christ during their life here on earth, it is blotted out. Everybody got that? How many have ever used, I don't know, they still have that whitener stuff anymore? <laughs> the whitener, so it's going to be blotted out. I know that goes against some people's, but the Bible talks about being blotted out, okay? I don't have time to preach on that right now, but search it yourself. You'll get a lot more out of the word if you search it yourself. Amen. Okay. This is Brother Hagen speaking. I don't pray for people to for God to heal people either. I pray that people receive the healing God offers. Why? Because he bore his stripes for our healing. And by his stripes, we are healed. Turn to 1 Peter 2.
24. This, take, this takes care of the sin problem and the need for healing. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. So you were healed 2,000 years ago. You just have to receive it. You were born again over 2,000 years ago. You just have to receive it. We've all received it here, I believe. If not, there's something wrong with Pastor and I. Okay. I don't pray that God would fill people with the Holy Spirit. I pray like Peter and John did that they might receive the gift God offers. Also, that the 17th verse of this passage does not say, I'm sorry, does not say, then laid they their hands on them, and God filled them with the Holy Ghost. It says, and they received the Holy Ghost. And they, is that what your Bible says? Big difference. They received the Holy Ghost. This is so important in our Christian life. When God's Word says we have something, receive it. Just receive it. You read it. He says it. Receive it. Okay. I believe we are in good company with Peter and John, so I follow the same procedure they followed. I lay hands on the people to receive the Holy Spirit, and I do it in faith because it's scriptural. I also do it because I have a ministry along that line. The apostles sent Peter and John to Samaria. There were many, there were many they could have sent, but they sent these two. Because these two had the gift where people received the Holy Ghost. Did that take away with from Philip? No. Now see, sometimes people get How can I put this? I don't want to, it's in competition. Especially married couple, couples. They can, Pastor and I never have. He knows his gifts. I know my gifts. And we don't have to get into competition over it. There's no, you know, there's no use. I don't walk in the things he walks in. He doesn't walk in thing, or some of them we both do. But, you know, there's no, let the person flow in their gifting is the best way, best thing to do. Did 
The apostles sent Peter and John to Samaria because they had a ministry along this line. God anoints us to minister according to his calling on our lives. Now I'm going to share this. If a person has a ministry, a real burning in their hearts, because there are, we're all called to win souls, okay? But there are some that are called to go out and knock on doors or pass out flyers or whatever and win souls. Now, my personal way that I like to win souls is catch them by surprise and drive up on them and lead them to the Lord that way. Of course, you never know what you're going to get. I love to do that. Tina and I used to do it a lot. You never knew what you... I, I mean, I knew... One time we were out there, remember that one woman? I thought, and she's demon-possessed. And, it's been a, and um, <laughs> were you at the window or was I at the window? Okay, you were driving. I was at the window, but I knew this woman was going to manifest. But I knew that Tina needed an experience in this. <laughs> it's the truth. I'm not kidding so I was talking to her and she was normal. Am I correct? Until you started talking to her. Am I right in this or did I forget some of this? And what did she do? She riled up all right. It was hilarious to watch. You guys say I wouldn't appreciate it much. But, it's, but she riled up and I bound it and she stopped. I believe that's how it went. Um, but... People need to see what's going on sometimes. So my favorite way to go out soul winning is not walking around. And that's fine. Everybody's different. But don't get upset at, at people that don't feel called or whatever. Because we can have a tendency to get upset. Like, where are these people? And get into a bitterness or resentment or whatever. Okay. And trust me, I un totally understand. Um, when, I have a, when I have a sermon that I know s that somebody has come to counseling and God's given me this sermon for them and they don't show up, I have a tendency to have to hand it over to God and, and go on in joy. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Pardon? I can't become offended. I have. He just said, I have. Like, good night. I counseled them and counseled them, and then they weren't here to hear this. Because it's the word that'll set you free, okay? But then I have to get rid of because I'm not going to go to hell for anybody, okay, or carry offense for anybody. So, I'm going to share another situation where we went in and had this kind of situation too. We're at Rama. Well, when we were at um, Buddy Harrison's church, every Rama student had to have ministry in the church. They had to. That was just his across the board. Every Rama student that comes to he was Brother Hagen's son-in-law, so that comes to my church, 
And at that time, Rainbow Bible Church only had it on Sunday nights, and I don't know if it was every week. And it was across the board, so we went in to sign up, and they said, we really need people in the nursing home ministry. And um, so we said, okay. And so we had, Pastor was in charge. We had a couple, he played the guitar. He led praise and worship. Pastor was in charge. Um, and we visited rooms. Well, I knew we went into this room, and I think I've shared this before. And the gal that we were with was from England, and I knew they were going back to England, and you know what is in England right now, okay? The demonic spirits, the Muslims, the whole thing that's over there right now. So we go in there, in the room, and I knew this was gonna happen. And I said, um, Denise, I said, Denise, shut the door. We, I never had her shut the door. And um, she, was, she was one of these personalities, was just very loving and likes to touch people. And, and I am too, but I just went and sat in a chair. <laughs> and um, so she went up and this woman had a belt. I can't remember the whole thing, but she had a belt that she was playing with and I could tell, here it comes, it's coming. So Denise went up and kind of touched her and this woman just started growling and carrying on. And I can't remember if she took off her belt or whatever. And so I just, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. And she stopped. And I, I was able to talk to her after on how she's going to be, have to deal with these people when she comes in, in touch with them. And trust me, after they got to England, they had to deal with things like this. So... It was a teaching experience. Amen. If you, you know, if you have a special gift and someone wants to learn, they might not have the gift of discerning of spirits, but if they want to learn how do I bind this or how do I do this, then you teach them. And you have to have the gifts of wisdom and knowledge to go along with that, that uh, the gift of discerning of spirit. You have to. Okay. So our memory, what time is it back there? What? Okay, so I have longer. So in Acts 1, 5, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we're going to go to my notes now. Are you ready? Remember last week, those of you that were here, I taught on let the words sink down. Let the words sink. When you meditate on the word of God, let the words sink down in your spirit. And many times we read and don't want to change, so we don't allow the word to go deeper. When you come to a point and it seems like there is a that you can only get to a certain point in your walk with Christ and can't seem to go any deeper, you need to check yourself out. 
Number one, the Lord doesn't like to keep telling us the same thing over and over again. In other words, stop doing it. I mean, he, he can get pretty loud. So I would like us to, and I've taught on these, these scriptures quite a bit lately, but I'd really like us to look at some things. The first one is in Psalms 1, 1. We need to really listen up in this hour. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and, and variable that the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk. Now, I want to look at verse 2 for a minute. Nor stands, not two, I'm sorry, the second part of this. Nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk. We're just kind of, kind of have open discussion here today. What does that tell you? And I'll go ahead because those that are listening online. What does, this, what does this scripture right here tell you? Nor standeth in the way of sinners. The Amplify says, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk. Anybody? Okay, I'm going to choose you out of here. Dina. It tells me that whether I'm in a position that I should not be, if not participating doesn't make me okay to be there. Just because I'm not, I'm standing inactive doesn't, like I can't be, I can't witness an accident and be inactive and walk away and not be a part of it. But I can't be in a place where they're doing the wrong thing and say, well, I didn't do anything. I was just standing there. It doesn't make a difference because that says I can't even be standing there inactive. Amen. Standing there, I'm obviously being submissive and receiving from what's being done there. Anybody else? So she said you can't stand inactive and submissive and just stand there when you know what they're doing is wrong. See, children today, youth today, children today have to deal with peer pressure. How many remember that? We didn't have, well, when I, my, when my age or my, when I was a kid, there wasn't a lot of peer pressure. <laughs> you weren't allowed to do anything, so. <laughs> there wasn't a lot, well, in Santa Cruz there was a lot to do, but my mom kept it tight, or she thought she did. I won't go into that. But anyway, there, there wasn't a lot to get into like there is today, okay? So as parents raising children, we have to set up standards for them to watch. Standards, because they're going to learn 
You know, people expect their kids to learn everything about God in Sunday school. It's not going to, our children, it's not going to happen. Couples need to have family devotions, prayer together, prayer at dinner, prayer at night. Go in and, and your small kids, pray it, get down on your knees with them at night and pray. And not the night, now I lay me down to sleep. That thing used to scare me spitless. If I, if I, what is it? If I die before I wake, I pray to God my soul to take. I didn't even know what all that meant, but I knew I didn't want to die before I wake because in my heart, I knew that there was some place I was going to go to that wasn't real good, okay? How many ever prayed, prayed that prayer beside me? Raise your hand. What a whoopee of a prayer to tell a kid to pray. That's hideous. Okay, so let's look at the next one. Standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Okay. And it says, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. Okay, now I'm going to have to really go through this, but... I want us to really understand what the scornful and the mockers are. So we are careful that we don't do this because if we do it, our life in the Lord is not going to, I need a bigger one of these, I don't know what, it's not going to turn out to be what we desire it to be or what he desires it to be. Okay. Hang on. I got three things I know I'm aware of it. <laughs> Pardon? That's the position that Locke found himself in. That's why don't you come up and talk a minute? No, I come on. Please do. I'd, I would like you to because if God gave you that, we're just family here today. Okay. Yeah, you can help me because I'm here. You going to grab that one? So the first first step in that <laughs> Psalms 1 is, how's it go there? Which one do we do? <laughs> I'm lost already. Anyway, you're... Okay, hang on. Pastor just got stand, done just stand, reading Job and all that uh, stuff. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Okay, so this is where... Scornful. Lot, this is where Lot went. He went down into Sodom and Gomorrah area, and he did, he did nothing there. I mean, he kept himself, quote, righteous. I mean, he knew God, but he... Just like Tina said, he allowed the situation around him. He didn't put his imprint on it, but he allowed that imprint to become on him. And later on, you read, read, read later, I think it's in uh, Hebrews, that he was vexed. So even though you're righteous in your, at your job location, you could become vexed. How many have ever been vexed, vexed at work? I mean... You hear all, 
all sorts of language and you don't speak up about it, you know, because, quote, you're putting, you're imprinting, you can't place your religion on other people, but they can sure put their mark on you and you become vexed because you're not standing up for what you have to do. So uh, we can't be like Lot and you're going to have to stand, you know, right now as a Christian, you can't do anything. Everything's aimed at a Christian. You can't do this. You can't do that. Even at your job, you need to stand up and say, well, I'm a Christian. I don't want to hear that. And you're putting up a wall around yourself then. Uh, you can't say, well, you're, you're a dirty, dirty low-down skunk of a, of a sinner. That's not going to work. You just say, you know, I'm a Christian. I prefer that you not do that. And a lot of them, even though they're in, in the world, they will not, they won't be that vocal or boisterous around you. I mean, I, I remember saying something, and, and the guys would, you know, okay, here he comes, just kind of cool it. <laughs> and then, you know, they would go on and do their thing, but at least I was not involved in that. I might sometimes hear it, but I handled it back. So we can't be like Lot, just just being associated in that area, you're still going to get vexed. You need to put up your shield of faith. You got your words? Yep. Okay. I'm going to be teaching on on being vexed and what it means, not today, but trust me, when I did the study on that, I was, I've been wanting to teach it for weeks, but God's been wanting me to teach this first. And so I've been obedient, in obedient, but it is something to really do a study on. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and do these two words so we all understand. Um, mock. What was it, mock, and what was the other one? Scorn. scorn. Okay. Let me do the scorn one first so we all understand what this is. Come out here, scorn. Okay, scorn. To mock, affect in by association with, to disgrace, a feeling that a person or a thing is mean and contemptible, disdain, extreme contempt, the expression of the feeling in words or manner. See, a person can be mocking, but they don't have to say a word. Their body language shows it. It just shows it. I don't like this. And, and anybody around them can pick on, up on it. And if, if they want to become a part of it, you know, there are people that like to become a part of these things, and it's sad. Um, okay, let's go on. The expression of this feeling in words or manner, contemptuous treatment, or disdain utterance. Contemptuous treatment or disdainful utterance. An object of this feeling, person or thing, held in contempt or disdain. To regard with scorn. Consider mean and contemptible. 
despise, to refuse or reject as mean and contemptible, to scoff, mock, or jeer. Remember when they laughed Jesus to scorn when he went in and said that girl is alive and they'd been out there mourning and they laughed him to scorn. We can't allow people around us to do this, to treat derisively. Now I'm going to look up mock. You need to understand. I mean, body language, you know, it's like the word tells us to do a certain thing and a person will stand there and do the opposite because they don't like it. You know, I'm going to tell you what that can do to a whole service. If someone is in the service and is, has that spirit or whatever on them, it can just shut down the praise and worship. It can shut down the teaching. It's horrible. I mean, when you're up here, you see it. <laughs> and those of you can see it in a person. And it's, it's, it's a horrible thing. Okay, Mark. Here we go. You ready? To hold up to scorn or contempt. To ridicule. To imitate or mimic. As in fun or derision. My kids used to get a big time for that. Um, to lead on and disappoint. Deceive. To defy and make futile. To defeat as a strong fortress mocked the invaders. To show or express scorn, ridicule, or contempt. Jeer, often with... An act of mocking, sneering. The next one is a person or thing receiving or deserving ridicule or derision. Three, an imitation, counterfeit. Wow. Don't get into this. Do you remember? I'm going to go, even though I know the time is getting up, I start preparing for communion, to Numbers 12. I'll tell you, I, this thing stuck with me big time the first time I ever heard it. And I made a decision that day. I'm not talking about any minister or, <laughs> or man of God or whatever unless they're completely off and it's a protection to someone, but I'm not going to sit around gossiping about it. But let's turn to Numbers chapter 12. I think it'll help all of us. You know, in the day that we live, people want are out there with itching ears and they just want to hear 
anything that's not going to put them under conviction. How many realize that? So they'll go places where they're not going to be put under conviction. Or where holiness, where holiness is not taught. Okay, Numbers 12. Now Miriam and Aaron talked against Moses, their brother, because of the Cushite woman, for he had married a Cushite woman or an Ethiopian woman. And, ha and they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has not he spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now, the man Moses was very meek, gentle, kind, and humble, uh, or above all men on the face of the earth. Suddenly, you know, this is one of the suddenlies. This is the suddenly you don't want. <laughs> there's some suddenlies you want, and there's some suddenlies you do not want. But all this stuff starts up here, okay? The mocking, grumbling, whatever. It starts in the brain. Okay. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. The Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood in the tent door and called Aaron and Miriam, and they came forward. And he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision and speak to him in a dream. But not so with my servant Moses. He is entrusted and faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth directly, clearly, and not in the dark speeches. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And she must have been the troublemaker. And when the cloud departed... From over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous, as white as snow. And Aaron looked at Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, I plead with you, lay not the sin upon us in which we have done foolishly, and in which we have sinned. God gives us Psalms 1, 1 to keep us out of this stuff. To keep us out of it. To protect us. There's one more and then we're going to have communion. Hebrews his name and his lentils and his you find it honey <laughs> the guy that sold his lentils for his birthright pardon What are, where is it? 16. Okay. 
15, exercise foresight and be on watch to look, at, look after one another to see that no one falls back from the, and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing in order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torments and that many become contaminated and defiled by it. That's heavy, but it's up to us. It says in 14, strive to live in peace with everybody and pursue that consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. And then in 16, that no one may become guilty of sexual vice or become a profane, godless, and sanct sacrilegious person as Esau did who sold his own birthright for a single meal. You un for you understand, now this is New Testament here, that later on when he wanted to regain title to his inheritance of the blessing, he was rejected, disqualified, and set aside for he could find no opportunity to repair by repentance what he had done, no chance to recall the choice he had made, although he sought for it carefully with bitter tears. That is so heavy. That's when pastors said, if I've gotten offended or whatever, I get rid of that immediately. I do not want it at all. Get it out. So we see what happens when a person allows this in on them. <laughs> the root of, of resentment, rancor, bitterness, hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment. And many become contaminated and defiled by it. Sometimes people wonder why they're being harassed and tormented and whatever. Check this verse out. Check this verse out. Check number 12, 12 out. The best thing you can do is pray in the Holy Ghost. Read the word. Pray in tongues. And get into praise and worship. And do the word. Not just read it, but do it. Amen? But praying in tongues, I have found, will release you. Because then the Holy Spirit is able to begin to speak to you and tell you what's wrong. Because the Holy Spirit will guide us and teach us the word. Amen. So the more we pray in tongues, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Pastor. Eleven. Um. For communion, Paul says, and starting with verse 23, that's uh, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. For I received the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is a New Testament, in my blood, this do is off as ye drink it in remembrance of me. 
Glory to God. We're going to be taking communion, uh, the bread and the cup. Um, both are significant. Uh, the bread speaks about our physical life. The blood talks about our spiritual life. And uh, if I can have my two helpers come forward, please. We've been delivered. No more shackles. The bread that you hold is symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ's body, broken and bruised, stripes upon it. And with his stripes, we are healed. So if there's anything that the devil's trying to throw your way physically, or even mentally, They've been removed. The shackles are broken. You're not bound by that any longer. We're set free. This bread symbolizes it. So, Father, we, as we partake of this bread, we recall all that Jesus did for our physical and mental healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just tell the devil he doesn't have a right to your body any longer. You've been set free. And Jesus said, the cup represents the New Testament. And testament can't be broken. Not with Jesus. The blood washes away all our sins. We stand righteous. And we praise you, Lord. The shackles of sin have been broken. And according to Romans Chapter 6, verse 14, sin has no more dominion over us. There's something to rejoice about. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks for your son, Jesus, and the blood he shed to set us free, to make us part of your family. Thank you, Lord. You know, as um, as years go by, uh, I know uh, it says that Jesus is not anxious for anything, but I think he's anxious. 
for us to return, that he can partake with the family of this communion. I think he looks over to the father and says, when, Dad? When? And as he looks to the scripture, and it just says, like I said, that the Jews look to the scriptures and see that in the last days that they would all return to Israel. The Jewish people would return to Israel, and that's happening more and more. And they are looking forward to building the new temple and looking for a Messiah. We know who the Messiah is. We are in the last days. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks that our days are numbered on this earth. And we have quickly, Father God, to be in with you forever. We thank you for it. Let's all stand. Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks for, for the word, for your presence here. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives and resides within each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, that we're a family. And we are looking for that family reunion, Father God. That each and every one of us, Father God, are doing our part, Father God, to come into maturity, to share the good news of the gospel, Father God, to those that are lost. For the only thing that we can take with us to heaven is the souls, Father God, that you give us. So, Father, we praise you for it in Jesus' name. And, Father God, as we go our separate ways, Father God, I thank you, Lord, that we are the head and not the tail. And, Father God, that which we speak, Father God, are the oracles of God. I thank you, Lord. The enemy has nothing on us, nothing in us. And, Father God, we go from glory to glory. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.